0: Hi,
1: and welcome to the ASA podcast, the program for automotive professionals that keeps you ahead of what's now, what's new, and what's next in the business of automotive service and collision repair. I'm your host, Tony Mala, and we'll be sharing information, insight, and inspiration that will not just help you make a living, it'll help you make a difference. This podcast is sponsored by Mailshark, the auto repair direct mail marketing experts. Whether your goal is to increase car count or customer retention, MailShark has an affordable solution for your shop. For more information, call 484-928-7790 or visit the slash ASA today. Hi, and welcome to another ASA podcast to spotlight the ASA X50 Conference and Expo due to launch on April 30th and May 1st. During these presentations, we've been doing a dive into what you can expect to see when you get there, and we're focusing on the training for this episode. I have with me today uh, three of the trainers that are going to be presenting. I have Marianne Croce from Croce's Transmission Specialist. Hi, Marianne. Hi, how are you? And uh, let's see, I have uh, Jason Sanders from Nissan. Hi, Jason. Hello. And Mark Allen from Audi. Hey, Mark. Hey, good afternoon. How are you? Good. And Marianne, I'm going to start with you. Marianne is the owner of Croce's Transmission Specialists, and your topic is the invisible culture effect, one of the management training sessions we have at the X50. Do I have that right?
2: Yes, the invisible the culture effect on your business. And you're right, Tony, I am a shop owner. I've been a shop owner since uh, 1999. So I've experienced a lot of what shop owners going are going through. I'm also a leadership coach and speaker. Um, Small Biz Vantage is the name of my my business, and I'm really excited to be talking about um, the invisible culture effect on your business uh, this year, because we all have a culture in our business. We all do, but a lot of times, is it something, when you think about it, is it something that kind of evolved on its own, or is it something that you intentionally built? So it does have an effect on your business, and it will affect you know main areas in your your business so it's important to focus on that a lot of new business owners when they're starting out they're so interested in the the grit right and getting the work done that they're not actually thinking about the culture and how they're creating what they're building and when it comes to that, it really affects all areas of your business. It actually can help with your business being more profitable. It can help with your business being more sustainable so that you're not burning yourself out. And it can also help with your business being more enjoyable as well.
1: Well, wow, that sounds great. Well, again, I know there's a lot of management training available during the conference, and, and we're certainly looking forward to your presentation. Let me move on to Jason. Uh, Jason is the Senior Planner of Instructional Design at Nissan. And Jason, you're going to be talking about Infiniti's direct adaptive steering system, a steer-by-wire system, I believe, right?
3: That's correct. It's actually a older technology for us. It came out in the 2013 Infiniti Q50, and it is a completely steer-by-wire vehicle. So once the vehicle is moving, there is no connection between the steering wheel and the front tires of the vehicle. So when you're, when you're turning the steering wheel, you're basically turning a joystick. We're going to cover a lot of the, uh, the technical components of that system, the fail-safes, if there was to be a malfunction, and the serviceability of the, uh, of the system.
1: We're getting into the, uh, the actual fly-by-wire systems now, right?
3: That's correct.
1: Wow, amazing. Well, and representing the collision offerings that we have at the show is Mark Allen. Uh, Mark is the manager of collision programs, workshop equipment, and EV readiness with Audi. And Mark, you're going to be talking about the EV and evolving technology that Audi has, right?
0: Yeah, it's uh, quite interesting. I mean, we came to market back in, believe it or not, 2018, we made the announcement. And we've had a steady flow of, of electric vehicles that have been delivered already but there's a whole bunch of exciting stuff coming out. So with that, there's some stuff that we really need to know in the collision repair space about these vehicles. They're not difficult. They're just different.
1: Uh, let's dive in a little bit more detail on that because I know there's a lot of collision shops that have expressed an interest in getting as much information as they can as it relates to some of the electric vehicles that are now coming down the pipeline. But is your class going to go in? It's pretty technical, I assume. Uh, technical deep dive into the systems or...
0: No, I'm not going to go uh, super deep into this. There are th- basic considerations that we need to think about and understand. Mm-hmm. Something as small as how wide a lift I should have. Oh, This is not something that we normally consider with a, a, an internal combustion engine. But when you consider that a battery is about the size of a queen size mattress and weighs 16, 1,700 pounds, there are special things that you need to take into consideration. So things of that nature, what not to touch and things like that so that we can go about doing our repair safely.
1: You know, it's all about a safe and complete repair, regardless of whether you're talking mechanical or collision. And uh, you know, you raise an interesting point. Some of this new technology that we're going to be seeing is going to have an impact on the equipment that we have in the shop. You mentioned needing a wider lift, is that something that's going to become more common as we move into some of these newer different powered vehicles?
0: I believe so. You're going to have the need for that. Here's another interesting question. How do I get the battery out of the car? Yeah. It's underneath, right? I mean, so we're used to using a uh, an engine hoist to get the engine out or transmission jack, but now I've got this very large, awkward battery that I need to drop down. So things like hydraulic lift tables, uh, where we would have never considered this before, come into play. The amount of antifreeze that are in these batteries were going from, what did we have in the old V8? Something around two and a half gallons, right? A quart per cylinder or something that like we had? Yeah. Well, the e-tron is five and a half gallons. So how do you fill that battery in that system and then purge it? So there's a lot to be known just on the general level and going down into the detailed area. We're just not equipped as an industry to go there yet in a generality.
1: Yeah. Well, I have to tell you, that's part of the reason that ASA has been involved in keeping our members appraised of changing technology. But it's getting more interesting as we go forward. Again, some of the newer technologies that are coming through offer a complete departure from a lot of the stuff we've ever experienced before. And especially on the collision side, you know, the aftermarket, it might take a few years for the vehicle to, to get there because of the warranty coverage. But somebody can wreck a brand new car 10 minutes after they buy it, and then it ends up in a collision shop.
0: They actually wind up getting damage going on the boat. So we're, we're dealing with them before they even get here.
1: I can imagine. And I know Audi has, uh, and I believe Nissan does too, has a a certification program for collision shops along these lines, right?
0: We do have a certification program, yes. We're really trying to limit what work gets done on the batteries for now until the whole system matures a lot more.
1: Well, I know everybody's talking about it, but there is a a ramp up to change over the vehicle fleet. A lot of it, uh, there's a lot of combustion engines out there and they're going to be with us for quite some time especially given the fact that the vehicles last as long as they do now. And Marianne, I know you're doing some of the management training, but I imagine you've bumped into some of this technology in your transmission shop uh, for quite a number of years now, right?
2: Yeah, it's important to uh, keep up with technology. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, the changes happen. And again, Jason, back to you, steer by wire. Is there a physical connection between the steering wheel and the driving rack for emergencies, or is it strictly a fly-by-wire thing with built-in safety factors?
3: There is a link, just your traditional link between the steering wheel and the steering rack. Mm -hmm. There is a magnetic clutch on that intermediate shaft that disconnects. Once the ignition is turned on and there's no malfunction in the system, that magnetic clutch will disconnect the intermediate shaft and allow it to turn independently of this steering rack.
1: We'll return to our interview after this word from our sponsor. MailShark is your auto repair direct mail marketing solution. Their weekly direct mail strategy puts you in the driver's seat, giving your shop the flexibility to spread out your direct mail marketing and its cost over a weekly schedule that you choose. With MailShark, you'll never mail and pay all at once again. This weekly strategy, combined with MailShark's expert knowledge of direct mail, proven auto repair direct mail best practices, and lineup of both paper and plastic products truly sets up your shop for success. For more information, just call 484-928-7790 or visit themailshark.com slash ASA today for a free market analysis and free samples. And now back to our show. This system that you're going to be discussing what model range that happen? Is it brand new, or is it something that uh, that has been out for a year or two?
3: It, it's something that's been out since 2013. So it debuted in the 2013 uh, infinity Q50. Mm-hmm. It has now made its way over into our Q60 as well as our QX50 SUV.
1: Interesting. Well, as I said, there's a whole lot of information like this that you're going to find at the X50 conference. Again. We have uh, over 50 instructors now. Uh, we're only able to talk to a few of them, obviously, before the show. But I think that the, you three are great examples of the type of training that you'll encounter there. And I deliberately wanted to have two of the OEMs on because we have some OEMs you know, involved in the show as well that are offering a, a glimpse into some of the things that they're doing. We'd like to be able to present it to our members as, as often as possible and certainly as completely as possible. I know it's a lot more common, Mark to have some of the latest information on the collision side, because again, the reality of, of what happens on the collision shop floor. Are we talking about any kind of, of special equipment that a shop should be thinking about if they're maybe they're already servicing, say, hybrid models and stuff like that? Do you think the EVs, when they become pure EVs and they start rolling into the vehicle fleet, Is it going to be something that we need to look at as a fundamental change in thinking about the equipment that we need? Or is a lot of the stuff that we have in the way of test equipment, scan tools, that sort of thing, going to be translatable over to some of this new technology?
0: So in the scan tool space, realistically, if you're using the OE diagnostics, there is probably your most rich area to get into in terms of the data that you can see and and everything else. In that, I can run some test plans where I can see what the individual cell temperatures are in each of the cells. I can see what the individual voltages are. But what I can't do is use my uh, Harbor Freight DVOM and start testing stuff with that, right? I mean, we're going to wind up with a disaster if we do that but going down to you know even just as simple as hand tools mm. everything needs to be insulated so you're now dealing with yes they look the same and act the same but everything is is wrapped in in a silicone shield so that you don't electrocute yourself while you're working in the battery PPE there's a ton of PPE that we need to consider mm-hmm. whether it's a flash suit or a uh, Helmet, uh, when you're actually in the battery. Gloves, there's typically two or three pairs of gloves, depending on what sh- which ones you choose. And they're rated in calorie and voltage ratings so that you're safe. So these are things that are not going to be common. You know, mm-hmm. frustration I have is when people show up at our training center, for welding and they're wearing shorts and flip-flops and a shirt and they're going to go weld. Well, that's just not going to be acceptable when you're in in Marianne's shop and you're going to do a battery removal or when we get to that point in the aftermarket that you're going to do these repairs. You just can't do it. Yeah. So there's a lot of learning to do.
1: Well, that is probably an understatement. I know that every time I talk to a group of young students in in some of the uh, training centers that I visit, the most typical question is, you know, what, what can I expect? And I said, well, I can, I can't tell you what to expect. I can tell you it's going to be different probably from year to year because technology is just that quick.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is going to be our world.
1: Well, actually in some, in some ways it is now, I know we have been dealing with hybrids Hell, the first hybrids are antiques now really. So things like the high voltage equipment that you mentioned, the gloves, that you have to make sure there are no pinholes in, things like that. Some of that has started to prepare us for what we're going to see. But as I started to say, the only thing I'm sure of when I talk to students is you're going to be learning for your entire career. That's probably true of most careers these days, but I think even more so in the automotive industry because of the pace of change. We're going through a a fairly significant generational shift right now in the shops where the baby boomer generation is giving way to the younger shop owners and, and technicians. And that has been going on for a while, but it's not just the personnel that's changing. It's the requirements of what those personnel need to know just to get into the game these days. It's not as simple as it used to be, frankly, when I started, but I can tell you that being able to keep up with the changes is going to be one of the biggest challenges I think everybody faces within the industry. And again, that's the purpose of, of what we've been doing over the last hundred years anyway, in doing the training, it seems to have intensified. And one of the bright spots is just what we're doing with the X50. The uh, last year that we all went through with the COVID, where we couldn't gather, saw an explosion in the virtual learning environment. And I know that a lot of people have come to realize that, you know, it's a great way to supplement what you're doing live because everyone still wants the live training. And I think we're going to get back to that in a big way sooner than later. But we found that with some of the virtual training, I've talked to some of the aftermarket instructors, you know, they're reaching people they never reached before the smaller shops you know the shops that, that even some of the bigger shops but can't afford to shut down or send out a bunch of personnel to the training they can participate on the virtual side and i know that mary and you've you've done a lot of virtual training over the years and webinars that sort of thing we all do them and the, jason and and mark has the training on the OEM side through the pandemic have you guys gone more virtual as well
3: during the initial uh, shutdown we had to close our training centers so we were tasked with converting a lot of our instructor-led training presentations into a virtual webinar format so we can deliver that information to technicians uh, that would like to attend. So uh, we had to adapt pretty quick. That program is no longer available as we are moving back to our in-person training. We do offer our virtual academy, which has a lot of e-learning, a lot of, we call them garage videos, which are just kind of loose videos that we put together for technicians with field issues that we've seen come up where we are back to in-person training now.
1: Interesting. And Mark, I've had the pleasure of visiting one of the training centers when I was living in Virginia. Have you been doing the same thing? Have you, did you guys have to shut down your training for your, uh, for your Audi technicians and did you use a virtual component?
0: Yeah, we did do a lot of virtual stuff for collision. We did not. That's still very tactile sort of learning that we had to do. Although it did force us to look at what can we offer in a virtual state and shorten the amount of time that people come to the training center. So they, you start to augment a little bit better. And I think that that was a healthy thing for us to do. Certainly on the mechanical side, we did go to virtual training on what we could. Mm-hmm. The other thing that comes into play... We were forced to look at what we could give out in terms of uh, virtual training. In the collision space, it's still very tactile. And especially when we're talking about welding, there are some programs out there. But our feeling is it's it's still better to have that. So we looked at what we had to do. And it was a good force for us to push into what we can do virtually versus in uh, in person. And then definitely in the mechanical space, we were forced to go to virtual. But I think the other option that we recognized out of necessity when we launched eTron and had to get our dealer population up and trained is augmented reality. Mm-hmm. So what we did is we did not have enough. Etron batteries that large format battery that was that's the size of a mattress right a queen size mattress so we did have enough a3 hybrid cars and batteries so we used the a3 battery as the tactile learning and building that culture of you know I have to remove my piercings and jewelry and everything and wearing the PPE and then we built upon that with the augmented reality for the large format battery, where now you're doing this in a, in a very virtual world. Mm-hmm. It's kind of odd for the older technicians because they don't game the way the younger ones do. But in the end, it was still a great way to get the multiplication factor without having that large format battery available. So they were still able to do all the repairs in it. So I I think it's forever going to change our culture of learning, but I think it may be even more attractive to Marianne and her culture. It could be even more attractive way of attracting talent and building that want of continued learning. So it's exciting, I think.
1: It truly is. Marianne,
2: what do you think of that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that the culture will attract, you have a culture of learning and you will attract top talent the people that realize that in this industry, there's always going to be continued learning and they get excited about it. You're going to attract the type of people that'll help uh, you develop them uh, because that's the kind of culture that they want, the environment that they want, and it'll help, you know, your business as well.
1: Yeah, well, again, finding ways to do things uh, more efficiently, I think, uh, has been one of the bright spots that the last year's experience has taught all of us. I know that some of the quarantine issues that we ran into, you know, touchless customer contact and that sort of thing have actually been very popular with some of the uh, some of the customers. And I think some of that stuff is going to stick around. So,
2: yeah, Tony, I, I think we learned to be really flexible and adaptable.
1: Yeah. That, well, and flexibility and adaptability is a hallmark of what the next century brings. I, I can tell you, you know, things are changing so rapidly. We all have to keep up, as I said. But I think that what we did learn, we're applying. And it, the automotive industry, if nothing else, has been adaptable over the last hundred years. And I think we're going to see that continue. Well, this has been enlightening. We look forward to seeing all of your presentations at the X50 conference. I want to thank you for your time today. It's been great. I really do appreciate it. The X50 conference and expo again is April 30th to May 1st. Registration is open right now. If you go to asax50.com, you'll get all the information you need to sign up and you'll be able to see the wealth of training that we do have and actually look at a schedule as to how to start planning your day. So again, uh, Mark, Jason, and Marianne, thank you again for your time today. We'll look forward to seeing you virtually on April 29th. Have a great day. Thank you.
3: Thank you.
2: Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.
1: If you're listening to this podcast and you're not an ASA member, then now's a great time to join. We have a special running in conjunction with our X50 show. If you join ASA today, you can save $50 off your membership and get access to the X50 Conference and Expo at the member rate with an additional $50 off. Your total savings is $100. You can sign up at ASAX50.com, and please use code x 50 member. If you're in Arizona, Idaho, Illinois, Oregon, or Washington, rebates will be mailed to your business following the event. I'm Tony Mala, and thanks for listening.